pulled up. I, uh, I saw our, our car there, and I opened the door expecting the sun from 100 miles an hour <laughs> right at me. And then usually uh, Violet right, right behind him would do what we call, you know, our family snuggle. <laughs> hey, hi, and welcome. I'm Harmony, and I'm your host here on What the Actual F. So today I've got kind of a weird case to tell you about, and I just want to go ahead and jump on in. Today I'm going to tell you about Sherry Papini. Sherry was born on June 11, 1982. She lived in Redding, California with her husband, Keith Papini, and their two children. On November 2nd, 2016, Sherry went out for a jog about a mile from her home in Redding, only to vanish and turn up 20 days later, relatively unharmed. Sherry's story, however, doesn't really add up, like, at all, leaving everyone to wonder, was Sherry really kidnapped? Or could it have actually all just been a hoax? She was a very beautiful, devoted mother. Um, worked really hard to provide for her family. Um, she was a stay-at-home mom. Um, loved cooking and just, just loved anything that she could do to make a happy home. The worst thing that could ever happen to somebody At the time of Sherry's disappearance, her life seemed to be happy and normal. She was close to her family. Her and her husband were very much in love. They had two beautiful children. Sherry and Keith met in the seventh grade. The two began dating. Keith was even her very first kiss. Just like many young loves though, the two didn't stay together and Sherry ended up marrying another man named David Dreyfus in 2006. Sherry and David's marriage didn't stay all sunshine and rainbows for very long. So Sherry began to reach out. She reached out to Keith, while still married to David, however. Now eventually, David and Sherry did separate. Immediately, though, she moved right in with Keith. And Sherry's divorce still wouldn't be finalized for another eight months. So she wasn't wasting any time. She wanted to be with Keith, and that's exactly what she did. Sherry and Keith were very happy to be together again, spending a lot of time talking about their past, looking at old pictures, and just going down the memory lane that they shared together. They had both even saved a bunch of notes that they had written each other while they were dating back in school, and they would sit and read them together, sort of in their own, like, lover's nostalgic world. That all these years ago, I kept her notes that she wrote me. And I dug him up and I handed her a box and of course it was like all our little notes back and forth. So Keith and Sherry are just so happy to be together again. And they end up getting married on August 12th, 2009. They really seem to be living this very happy and very much in love life. So before I continue and tell you exactly what happened and why we're talking about this today, I want to tell you a little bit more about Sherry's past so that you can decide for yourself 
if she's really telling the truth, or if maybe, just maybe, this is all for attention, or even, I don't know, some other reason. In 2000, Sherry's father alleged that she burglarized his residence. Then, in December of 2003, Sherry's mother, Loretta, alleged to authorities that Sherry had been harming herself and trying to blame her. So she was basically hurting herself and trying to make it look like her mother was doing it to her, to sort of get her mother in trouble. These allegations were written in December of 2003 at the Shasta County Sheriff's Office in an incident report. The report was only two sentences long, and it stated that a deputy spoke with Loretta and gave her advice on what she should do. It was also claimed in 2003 by her father, Richard, that Sherry had stolen money from his bank account. And in another incident from 2000, her sister Sheila alleged that she kicked in her back door. So with all this new information, let's go ahead and talk about November 2016. At this time, Sherry is living with her two kids, Violet and Tyler, and her husband Keith, in his childhood home that he grew up in, out in Mountain Gate, California, or Redding, as you're going to hear me say as well. For the most part, the family wasn't very active on social media and kept their life pretty private. According to several reports, people thought pretty highly of Sherry, even being referred to as a super mom. She wakes up in the morning, um, has her kids dressed, their meals planned out for them, and their activities for the day. And not just that, she's just a super wife. Like when she makes a pie, she doesn't just make a pie, she makes it look gorgeous. Sherry was very active in her young kids' lives and was really proud to be a mother. Now, it was stated that in the fall of 2016, Sherry actually took up jogging again to prepare for some sort of run that was happening around Thanksgiving. Due to this, it seemed normal that she would go out for a jog. Sherry also lived in a very gorgeous area and had a trail about a mile away from her home. This is where she would often choose to run. I looked in a few different rooms and I couldn't find anybody. I thought, okay, maybe, maybe they're outside. And, um looked around outside, but at the time I was like, eh, you know, I'm sure they're all together. I had no reason to believe otherwise. On November 2nd, Sherry told her husband that she would be picking up the kids from daycare later and that she was going to go out for a jog, the usual. So a while later, Keith returns to their home to find that the house is empty. Neither Sherry nor the kids are home. This is when he calls the daycare and learns that Sherry never came to pick up the children. This causes him to call his mother, who then goes and picks up the two kids. At this point, he is worrying and panicking, and he decides to use Find My iPhone Tracker in hopes that he can locate his wife or at least her phone. On, uh, near our mailbox, which is a ways away, about a mile away, actually. Are you worried? Not quite yet. The tracker located his wife's phone about a mile away from their home. He said that the phone seemed to be damaged and that he even found some of Sherry's hair, stating that it seemed to look as though it was ripped from her head. Now, investigators would later go on to say that though her phone and earphones and hair were found as he stated, they had seemed to purposely be placed there. See, they didn't look as though someone had gone through maybe like a scuff or been grabbed and that they fell into the place they landed. Especially noting this because 
the earphones were still looped together as if they weren't actually in use at the time of their fall. So with Keith finding his wife's phone, hair, and earphones, he then calls the police to report that he believes that she is missing. Um, so uh, I just got home from work and uh, my wife wasn't there, which is unusual. And my kids should have been there by now from like daycare. So I was like, oh, maybe she went on a walk. Um, I couldn't find her, so I called the, the daycare to see what time she picked up the kids. The kids were never picked up, so I got freaked out. So I hit like the Find My iPhone app thing, and it said that her it showed her phone like at our end of our driveway. We don't have really good service. Okay. Uh, not the end of our driveway, but the end of our street. But just drove down there, and I saw her phone with her headphones. Her, I found her phone, and it's got like hair ripped out of it, like in the headphones. So I'm like totally freaking out, thinking like somebody like What's just grabbed her. So where are you at right now? I'm at the end of the driveway where, uh, I'm at the Old Oregon Trail and Sunrise where they meet, because that's right where I found her phone on the ground. You're telling me that something happened to her is the way I'm looking at it. There's like, then there was hair like in the headphones. Like it got ripped off and like they grabbed Yeah, it. no, I, un I understand, I understand. Okay, I'm sorry. I know you're okay. going to keep me calm, but i <laughs> Immediately, police begin several searches for the missing mother and wife. They even bring out scent dogs who, I should note, don't track anything near where Sherry's phone was found. Helicopters were even sent up to get a bird's eye view to see if it's possible if they could locate her. Maybe she was lost or maybe she had fallen and gotten hurt somewhere. Flyers were handed out and posted everywhere. A reward had also been posted for anything leading to the discovery of Sherry. Even with all of these efforts, they found nothing. Last night at about 10 minutes to 6 p.m., Keith Papini reported his wife, Sherry, as a missing person with suspicious circumstances. When he returned home, he found that his wife was not home and the children had not been picked up from their daycare. Mr. Papini used Find My iPhone app uh, and he found his wife's cell phone. Uh, Miss Sherry Papini was last seen on Sunrise Drive at about 2 p.m. yesterday, jogging and or walking alone, which is normal for her. As soon as the case was reported to the media, it became massive. Being covered by many major news sources, investigators interviewed Sherry and Keith's family, friends, and they even got a reward up to $50,000, all in hopes that they would just find something, anything to help locate Sherry. Now Keith, like many people in cases like this, wasn't very happy with how the police were handling the investigation. To him, it felt as though the police weren't moving as fast as he felt that they should. So due to this, he created a GoFundMe in order to raise money to pay for some private investigators so that they could look into and find out exactly what happened to Sherry. This campaign received roughly $50,000. So many people were really trying and hoping that they would find her. Bring her home, bring her home. Just bring her home. Bring her home safe. There's a $50,000 reward. Bring her home. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, was Keith looked at? I mean, it is his wife, and it's really common for, well, the significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, or spouse, whoever your partner is, to be the, well, you know, person of interest. Keith was questioned, and he did take a polygraph test, which he passed. Yeah, 
not a fail and not a result inconclusive. The man passed. Even though he passed, detectives sort of felt as though maybe, just maybe, Keith may not have been completely honest with them, that he definitely knew more than he let on to believe. I told him I had something important to tell him and he, he jumped, he jumped up on the couch with me and he knew, he knew something was up. And he said, Dad, you can tell me anything. <laughs> for a little four-year-old to say that, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that, so I just said, uh, son, you know, uh, mommy went running and, and she, could, she didn't come home and we're, we're all looking for her right now. We just held each other and, and I said, uh, he said, are you looking for her? And I said, everybody in the whole world is looking for her right now. <laughs> and uh, I said, we're going to find her and, and we're going to get her back. So at this point in time, it was widely believed that Sherry had been abducted. At least that is what everyone was leaning towards. They believed that while she was out running, someone grabbed her, as it happened before in 1998 with another local girl. Yeah, local, as in the same area. This girl's name was Tara Smith. Tara had been jogging in the area and was abducted and has still not been found. Now, unlike Papini's disappearance, detectives zeroed in on a possible suspect in Smith's case, though they were never sure and didn't make an arrest. Smith's martial arts instructor, a man with a prior rape conviction, told investigators he dropped her off on the night she disappeared, a few minutes drive from where Papini's cell phone and earphones were found. He told detectives that Smith had grown angry when he wouldn't loan her any money. The man whose name I'm not sure is easy to find and even if I did find it I wouldn't tell you because he hasn't been charged and has denied any involvement in Tara Smith's disappearance. But it is believed by Smith's family that based on letters and journal entries that they found in her room after she disappeared that the two were having an affair and that she went that night to end it, at least according to media reports. Smith's case, which also brought national news crews to Reading, never was relegated to some dusty filing cabinet in the Shastia County Sheriff's Office. The lead detective actually still keeps a photo on his desk of the smiling teen today. It was also remarked that the sheriff cites how it's unnerving how much Tara and Sherry look alike. The big question everyone is asking is why are investigators the only ones who haven't named him as a suspect when everyone else feels that he is? Now, I need to talk about, just for a few moments here, a man by the name of Cameron Gamble. He claimed to be this expert hostage negotiator and that he had the backing of $50,000 from an anonymous donor for Sherry's safe return home. For speaking uh, on specifically human trafficking a few years prior to this she had called and asked uh, she was a mutual friend of the family and asked if I could come in and just consult with the family and just kind of give my opinion as to what I thought had taken place I've given uh, I, I've covered far too many of these cases and, and you really do get to a point you see with the families where they're willing to try anything and you know they tried various non-traditional approaches your name came up i was uh, there's a couple things going on here one i was the only one willing to go public and put my reputation on the line sadly however it would be found out that cameron well he wasn't exactly all he was cracked up to be and well blatantly he was a fucking liar 
Basically, he saw a family that was vulnerable and decided to pounce and take advantage of the whole situation. People really never cease to amaze me. I did find a interview with the anonymous donor and he did get his money back. He said that Cameron had the money the whole time. I also watched interviews with this man and he made a video later after everything, the incident with Sherry. He used an actress that really does resemble Sherry in many ways. This is an id of you, that you did this to enhance your business. You've heard it. I have. Is it true? It's not. Honestly, in my own opinion, it does really seem as though he used this case to become more known. And then he proceeded to make a video and use a actress that really does look like Sherry. He states in an interview that if he, if Sherry would have had brown or brunette hair and he used a brunette, the same thing would have been said. And to that I say, well, why didn't you just use somebody that was a brunette? Because sir, it really does look like you're trying to benefit off of this case. Three weeks into the investigation on Sherry's disappearance and they're nowhere closer to finding out where she is from day one to week three. And then suddenly, there she was. Stunning turn in the case of a missing California mom who was found on Thanksgiving morning three weeks after she disappeared on an afternoon run. ABC's Kata Whitworth is on the scene in Redding, California for us this morning. Good morning, Kana. Paula, good morning to you. So officials are working on a very vague description as they search for the people responsible for Sherry Papini's abduction. At 4.30 in the morning on Thanksgiving Day, November 24th, 2016, just three weeks after she had vanished, Sherry was discovered wandering around County Road 17 near Interstate 5 in Yolo County. This was over 100 miles away from her home in Redding. Sherry was found after flagging down a driver, and she was in reasonably good health, considering. I was in the right-hand lane, and I saw a woman frantically waving what looked like a shirt, trying to flag somebody down. She had like a wide-eyed, panicked kind of look. I was startled to see her. It was dark, and she pretty much just came out of nowhere. If I had swerved to the right at least a little bit, I would have hit her with my car. I figured if she was willing to risk being hit by a car trying to get somebody's attention, that she must really need some help. I pulled off and I dialed 911. Sherry did have restraints, however, on her wrist and a chain around her waist. Now, there is security camera footage of Sherry running to find help, and it's been pointed out that it seems kind of strange. Sherry's just kind of running back and forth. But I can't say that this is weird or not in my opinion, at least not in mine. Though people online do believe this is weird footage, I don't know if I do because I can't imagine how I would react if I did get away from kidnappers and I was just trying to find help. Sherry was emaciated, had signs of physical abuse, and she was covered in bruises. Sherry also had a broken nose and had been branded on her shoulder. Now, according to Keith, 
Sherry's hair had been hacked off, though investigators say it had just simply been cut. Keep in mind, the story's from, well, Keith, but Sherry, because Sherry doesn't really come forward ever, haven't really added up. She was uh, bound. She had a metal, uh, sorry, a chain around her waist. That is correct. She had a bag overhead. That is correct. Her left hand was in the vehicle chained to something. They opened the door. She doesn't know because she had a bag overhead. They cut something to free her restraint that was holding her into the vehicle and then kind of pushed her out of the vehicle. Now that Sherry was back home, she could finally share what happened to her and where exactly she had been. Now Sherry claimed that two Hispanic women had kidnapped her and that she never really got a good look at them, that she always either had her face or eyes covered or that they were wearing coverings on their faces. So due to this, she never got a good look and couldn't give a good description nor truly identify who the two women were. We are very ecstatic to report that Sherry Papini has been located and has been reunited with her husband and family on this day of Thanksgiving. I'm happy to say that Sherry is now safe and she has been treated at a area hospital outside of Shasta County and for non-life-threatening injuries. She was released by her captor on a rural road near I-5 in Yolo County. When Keith was immediately responded down to the area and is remaining at Sherry's side. They are still devoted to the case and will not rest until her captor or captors is identified and brought to justice. We're looking for a dark colored SUV with two Hispanic females armed with a handgun. The Shasta County Sheriff's Office Major Crimes Unit continues to dedicate all of its resources to identifying and apprehending those individuals who are responsible for the abduction of Sherry Papini. Over the last two days, major crime detectives have interviewed Sherry at an undisclosed location. The interviews were very intense for both the investigators and for Sherry to her having to relive this traumatic event. She was cooperative and courageous during the interviews. During the interviews with Sherry, she described the sequence of events to the best of her recollection. Remember that she was held against her will and was isolated. There's still a lot of unknowns about her assailant. However, we commend Sherry for her efforts to sit down with our detectives and provide a statement. So Sherry's claim is this. She went out jogging on Mountain View Trail and Sunrise Drive. While she was running along as she normally would, suddenly her vision is obstructed. She can't tell what's going on, but a bag has been placed over her head. Then all of a sudden she's being dragged into a dark SUV. Side note, I do find it a bit odd that she knew th that the color of the SUV was dark, yet she claims her vision was always obstructed. She then states that two people were pulling her and that one of them had a gun. She also says that during all of this, she's screaming and panicking and trying to fight to get away, which again goes against the evidence of where 
she had been taken. As in the location, there were no signs of any disturbance, except for her phone being placed with her hair and some damage. No signs of any foul play or serious distress. She says they then drove off to an unknown location, but all in all, she really couldn't remember much of her kidnapping. The last thing she remembers is being kicked out of a van by her captors, and then they drove away. Now, as someone who can absolutely understand what it's like to go through a traumatic event, I know it isn't easy to repeat something or even try to begin to muster up the words to describe exactly what you've been through. But to do this over and over again, I'm sure and I know I've been through it, is extremely traumatic. Now, to the degree of what she experienced in being kidnapped, I cannot speak on. Yet, I do believe that if someone is held captive for three weeks, they can remember something. I mean, anything. Especially since she was seen wandering around on security footage. Nonetheless, Sherry didn't really have any striking details that could help investigators catch her alleged kidnappers. She just really believed that they were Hispanic women and that they spoke Spanish mainly around her. It should be noted, as I keep mentioning, quoting, and saying, you know, what Keith said, and he is who you've been hearing, as he is the one who has spoken publicly about everything. Not to mention, Keith was speaking up and talking about everything in interviews, which wasn't exactly something that the police liked. As in most cases like this, you are instructed to keep many, well, of the details private especially in the middle of an ongoing investigation, as if too much information is released too soon, it can really kind of taint the investigation. There's lots of things that don't add up. Why they took her, why they brought her back. At this point, we have to believe that Keith's story is the story of what happened to Sherry. Even if the accounts haven't always stayed the same, we have to believe this because the police really haven't released a lot of what they believe truly happened from what they found. Sherry wasn't sure exactly what the vehicle looked like that she was thrown from, simply stating that they cut something and threw her out of the vehicle. She just couldn't think of any details about the woman's faces really and had no details about where she had been for the past 20 plus days. At this point, the police didn't really have much, it seemed, because Sherry didn't add much more to the information they had before she reappeared, even though they were thankful she was home safe. I knew I was going to get to tell my kids, guess what? I found mommy. With no real clues or real motive, the police, they're left baffled. Something the police also found a bit odd was that Sherry claims to have been abducted by two females. And in most cases, this isn't what seems to be the common thing. Oftentimes, abductors are men. Of course, we do know this is not always the case, but police did still find this to be a bit odd. Now, they may not have had a lot to go on or even a motive for anyone to try and harm her, but they did have something that could help break the case. 
They found DNA on Sherry. See, when Sherry vanished, she was wearing a pink running outfit. And when she reappeared, she was in different clothes. And on these different clothes, they found two sets of DNA, one from a female and one from a male, which kind of seemed odd because Sherry said that two women had abducted her. The DNA, however, was ran through the database and tested against Keith's as well. They found no matches. Damn it, Turner, it just doesn't make sense. Another thing that should be mentioned is that Sherry claimed she got into a fight with her abductors when they kidnapped her. Well, during this fight, she had actually hurt her foot pretty bad. She said that she was cut or something and it was pretty serious. Yet when her foot was looked at, there were no marks or signs of any injury. So as you can see, the stories really are not adding up. It's complicated. Once Sherry returned home, they hid and allowed her to sort of recoup. Sherry wasn't even seen for about a year. After everything had gone down with the kidnapping and all the media coverage, now that Sherry was home, they became very reclusive and stayed private, staying out of the media. Immediately after that, my home phone rang. I pick it up. It was my wife screaming in the background yelling my name and the CHP officer said I need you to be calm I need you to be calm well are you panicked at first you're hearing her scream I'm panicked but I'm happy because I, I at this point this is the first time I've heard her voice I know she's alive I get the phone and oh my god honey and of course she's screaming it's very emotional and uh I love you I love you I love you oh my god you're you're here you're back where are you so after some time some new information started to come out including something one of her longtime neighbors had said. They said specifically that Sherry wasn't a jogger. In fact, in all the years that they had lived there, they had actually never seen Sherry go out for a jog. Yet, this is exactly what Keith and Sherry are sticking to, that she was practicing for a run that was happening near Thanksgiving. So she went out jogging and during this jog on the nearby trails, she was suddenly, and for no reason whatsoever, kidnapped. This is a load of barnacles. So, as I mentioned earlier, Sherry had a little bit of a past. And of course, it didn't take long for people to learn about her past. It was discovered that 13 years before this disappearance of Sherry, that her mother had called the same law enforcement that was currently investigating her case stating that Sherry was harming herself and making it look as though her mother was doing it to her. This, coupled with her sister's claims of Sherry kicking in her back door, and the reports of theft on a few accounts, and vandalization from her father, threw up some red flags to people. Even the lead investigator of Sherry's case himself stated that he doesn't believe that Sherry was actually abducted, like, at all. Please don't talk to me. Don't 
a communication officer from the sheriff's department was questioned about the case. She stated that a hoax could not be ruled out. Yet later, the same officer would go on to state that the abduction was real, however, after she spoke with Papini and stated that they believed her. One of the theories the sheriff's office had originally was that Sherry may have simply just tried to leave town, you know, get away from her life, maybe start over, but she just lost her nerve eventually and decided to come back. So since she changed her mind, she couldn't just simply walk into town and say, oh, hey, I'm back. She needed a way to come back without admitting that she was trying to escape. So they believe she made up this whole kidnapping story. Also, another thing that came out was that Sherry had been in an online sort of relationship with a man who lived in Michigan. Yeah, another one of the cases where somebody was cheating. Sherry and this man had actually been exchanging text messages for months prior to her disappearance. In fact, the relationship got kind of serious, enough that they were planning on meeting up with each other. And... Wouldn't you know, just a few days before she vanished, this mystery man from Michigan was visiting California as well. Coincidence? I think not! Now, it was determined, however, that the man she was talking to wasn't in Redding at the time that she disappeared. So, of course, when Keith found out about this man, he was shocked. He was completely unaware of this other man that she had been communicating with. In fact, Sherry had even saved this man's name under a woman's name in her phone in order to hide it from Keith. Yeah, babe, Sherry, sweetie, um, why is Kathy asking if you liked her dick pic? And, of course, there is the thought that it may be possible she did all of this for attention. After all, her past shows that she isn't exactly an innocent person, yet... If she really wanted to be in the spotlight and have all sorts of attention, why isn't she out in public enjoying it? There are some bizarre new details emerging tonight in the case of Sherry Papini, the mom who vanished for three weeks only to be found tied up on the side of a country road. Her husband is now speaking out about the appalling condition in which his wife was found and about the rumors that the whole thing may have been a hoax. So that is the case that I have for you today. A unsolved disappearance turned kidnapping turned possible hoax. There are several theories out there on this case, as this is a pretty heavily covered case. And I'm curious to know what you think. Do you believe that Sherry was truly kidnapped? Do you think that she tried to escape her life and run off with another man? Or did her and her husband plan this whole thing in order to receive money and attention? Did Sherry really just try to escape, get cold feet, and come back? Did Sherry plan this all herself just for attention? Or any other theory that could be out there? 
and really love to know what you guys think. So with all of that, I hope you guys enjoyed today's case. I would love to hear some feedback and, you know, just let me know what you guys think. If you would like to send me a case or have me look into something, send me an email at whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. Thank you to many of you who are sending in some cases and some mysteries. I really appreciate it. And don't worry, if you sent in a case, I promise it is coming. I am constantly putting together research and finding clips of things to keep this podcast entertaining for you. You guys can also follow me and the podcast on our social media. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Thank you for checking out the podcast today. Sweet screams. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you on the next case. Love you guys. If she would have lost her phone driving home one day and she put it on the roof of the car and fell off, okay, whatever. I can see that happening. But the cars were home and the kids were wrecked. Um, cool. I, I knew something was wrong.